1: So this recording is about Coretta Scott King. This is part of a segment called Hidden in Plain Sight. And it's about women from black history who we don't really get to hear much about. Now, I know that Coretta Scott King is insanely famous. Um, We all know the name, we know of her, but we don't really know much about her. Or at least I can be honest and say I didn't know much about her. So this is me taking my opportunity to try and spread some extra information about her and get it out there. If you're unfamiliar with who I am, I am the Black History Buff 777. You can find me on Instagram at Black History Buff 777. You can also find me on Facebook at Black History Buff 777. You can also find me on Patreon at Black History Buff 777 and on Facebook and Twitter at amazingly, the inspirationally named black history buff seven 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 yes the name is black history buff seven 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 please find me on spotify find me on youtube twitter instagram patreon especially on patreon because if you find me on patreon you'll actually find that you can get lots of goodies on there there are teaching resources videos audio recordings um notes There's going to be clothing going up soon, so Patreon is really the place to be if you want to find me, if you want to find more work, if you want to know what I'm really doing. If you want to get a little bit closer, if you're interested in my learning journey, if you have children and you're interested in teaching them, if you are a school teacher and you want some resources or some ideas for resources, um, Patreon is where you're going to find all that good stuff until my website goes up. So anyway, let's begin. So this recording is about Coretta Scott King. Two quotes from her, I am not a symbol, I am an activist. Second quote from her, the media never understood Martin, so they will never understand Coretta. Coretta Scott King was born in Marion, Alabama, April 27th, 1927. The third of four children, her mother, Bernice McMurray Scott, was famous locally for her singing voice and fiercely committed to the education of of her children. My children are going to college, even if it means I only have but one dress to put on, is a quote from her. I love that quote. Sounds like something my mum would say. Her father, Obi, a former policeman turned businessman, was one of the first people in their town to own a car. He and Benice ran a clothing store, a general store and a lumber mill. While not a wealthy family, the Scots' modest financial success drew envy from some of the locals who, in an act of racial hatred, burned down two of the Scots' businesses. To help support the family during the Great Depression of the 1930s, a young Coretta worked picking cotton. I just want to talk a little bit about the Great Depression here, just to add some context into the time and why she would need to pick cotton. The Great Depression... Was the worst economic downturn in the history of the industrialized world it lasted from 1929 to 1939 and began after the stock market crash of october 1929 that crash sent wall street into a panic and wiped out millions of investors millions of people lost their jobs by 1930 there were 4.3 million people unemployed by 1931 that had doubled to 8 million in 1932 the number had risen to 12 million and by early 1933 almost 13 million people were out of work and the unemployment rate stood at an astonishing 25 percent those who managed to retain their jobs took pay cuts of a third or more now i just want you to think about that imagine seeing the unemployment rate double in less than a year imagine having to take just think about your work right now think about your job think about what you're doing i don't know what you do but you're out there somewhere working away imagine if your boss came to you and told you you're either fired or you take half of the money that you're struggling on now and that's what you had to get on through life with bearing in mind the cost of everything has stayed the same and this was at a time when people regularly grew their own food so imagine imagine how much worse that would be now well that's just some of the conditions that they were living through at that time out of work americans filled long bread lines begged for food or sold apples on street corners just to get by one chicago social worker wrote at the time we saw want and despair walk in the streets, and our friends, sensible, thrifty families, reduced to poverty. Coretta, 10 years of age, had already experienced racial terrorism and witnessed the devastating effects of poverty firsthand. And when you look at who she would become and the role she played in later life, you can almost see the hidden hand of fate shaping her into the woman that Martin and the world would need her to be. At age 12, Coretta started at Lincoln Elementary School and due to the deep segregation in the South had to be bused eight miles there and back. And who was the bus driver? Yep, Bernice Scott, Coretta's mother, who bussed all the local children to school. Bernice was a remarkable woman in her own right. She only had a fourth grade education herself, which only fueled her determination that all of her children would have a first-rate education and i have this image of her in my head kind of talking to herself saying you kids are going to school even if i have to drive you there myself which indeed she did
2: my mother was the kind of quiet determined person who said my children will get an education if i don't have a one dress to put on So I always knew that I was going to college and I knew that I wanted to prepare myself because I had to free myself from the conditions of segregation and discrimination that I had grown up under. And in that process, I felt that it was important that I come back south and that I make my own contribution.
1: At school, Coretta thrived, probably because she had to give her mom a school report there and back every day becoming the leading soprano for the school senior chorus, playing piano and trumpet and graduating valedictorian in 1945. That same summer, Coretta applied for and was accepted into Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio, majoring in education. Coretta's elder sister, Edith, had already become the first African-American to enter the college two years previously. One child down, I can hear her mother say. It is here at Antioch where Coretta became politically active. If you get a chance, go to the website for Antioch. In the Mission and History section, on paragraph 3, you'll find this statement. Horace Mann, first president of Antioch College, was an abolitionist and educational visionary. He was the father of Antioch College and of the American Public School. We celebrate his role in leading the college and for providing generations of Antiochians Forgive my pronunciation, with the ethical direction to win victories for humanity. The motto for Antioch was be ashamed to die until you have won some victory for humanity. And I just want to take this opportunity again to kind of just point out fate nudging Coretta to being this great woman. Her mother was a staunch educationalist, her sister was the first colored person to attend this famous college with such an amazing motto the motto of that same college was be ashamed to die until you've won some victory for humanity again you can just see like destiny just nudging her towards who she needed to become being the first African American to major in elementary education at Antioch created problems for Coretta Her major required a two-year internship, one year teaching in the Antioch Private Elementary School and the other in the Ohio Public Schools. The first year at the Antioch School where Scott taught music went well. The Yellow Springs School Board, however, refused to allow Scott to teach in its school system because she was black. The student body was integrated, containing both black and white students, but the faculty, the teachers and members of the administrative staff, were all white. Scott was given the option of going to Zena, Ohio and teaching in the all-black school or taking the harder road and remaining at the Antioch private school for a second year. She chose to stay at the Antioch school. This discrimination made Scott more determined than ever. She joined the National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People, the NAACP, as well as a Race Relations Committee And a civil liberties committee she later said I was active on all of them from the first I had been determined to get ahead not just for myself but to do something for my people and for all people I took to heart the words of Horace Mann be ashamed to die until you have won some victory for humanity Scott's years at Antioch were rewarding despite her unfortunate teaching experience. She learned to work towards excellence and credited the school with helping her to believe that individuals as well as society could move towards the democratic ideal of brotherhood. It was there that Scott developed confidence that she could compete with, and I quote, all people of all ethnic and cultural backgrounds, on their terms or on her own. She claimed that The total experience of Antioch was an essential element in preparing her for the role as wife of Martin Luther King and for her part in the civil rights movement. While there at Antioch, she realized that she wanted to continue in music and develop her voice to its fullest potential. She enrolled in a New England Conservatory in Boston, Massachusetts, and graduated in 1954 with a bachelor's degree in music. It was in Boston that she met Martin Luther King junior, who was then studying for his doctorate in systematic theology at Boston University. When she met her future husband, she was more involved in politics than he was. A mutual friend, Mary Powell, gave Coretta's phone number to Dr. King after he'd inquired about girls on campus. Initially, Coretta showed little interest in meeting him, even after Powell told her that he had a promising future but eventually she relented and agreed to see him. King wooed her with lines such as, the four things that I look for in a wife are character, personality, intelligence, and beauty, and you have them all. So, but You went from Antioch, the, the great thrill was you got a full scholarship yes. to study music, which was what you wanted to be until into your life walked this young man 23 years of age and
2: well yes he did Uh, somehow he 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 tried to convince me that uh, on the first date that I was a person who had all the things that he wanted and a wife and uh, he was he had the, the audacity to name them there were only four and, uh, and what were they? Well, <laughs> must I tell? Oh, you don't have to tell. No, no, no. Of course
0: not.
1: We can pass right by you. That one go right by you. you know? Having already decided to become a concert singer, Scott was reluctant to give up her career to be a preacher's wife. But when King proposed, after making him wait for six months for an answer, she eventually said yes. Yeah. Coretta was still calling the shots on the wedding day when she frustrated Martin's reverend father, Martin Luther King, senior by insisting that he take the word obey out of the wedding vows. After completing her degree in voice and piano at the New England Conservatory, she moved in with her husband to Montgomery, Alabama in September 1954. Mrs. King recalled,
3: After we married, we moved to Montgomery, Alabama, where my husband had accepted an invitation to be the pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. Before long, we found ourselves in the middle of the Montgomery bus boycott, and Martin was elected leader of the protest movement. As the boycott continued, I had a growing sense that I I was involved in something so much greater than myself, something of profound historic importance. I came to the realization that we had been thrust into the forefront of a movement to liberate oppressed people, not only in Montgomery, but also throughout our country, and this movement had worldwide implications. I felt blessed to have been called to be a part of such noble, a noble and historic cause.
1: You can find posts about the Montgomery bus boycott and the role played by some of the more hidden figures in the boycott, such as Joe and Robinson, over on my Instagram page blackhistorybuff777 or at my Patreon, which is also blackhistorybuff777. Back to the story. Eight weeks into the 381-day boycott, their house was bombed. Scott King and their 10-week-old firstborn, Yolanda, were at home but escaped uninjured. Terrified by the violence, Coretta's father and father-in-law urged the family, or at least her and the baby, to leave. She refused. I realised how important it was for me to stand with Martin. She recorded a 1966 essay in New Lady magazine. In the early years of the civil rights movement, Coretta worked relentlessly. She balanced motherhood and movement work spoke before church organizations, civic groups, colleges, fraternal organizations and peace groups. She orchestrated and performed a series of freedom concerts which combined prose and poetry, narration with musical selections. These concerts functioned as significant fundraisers for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the organization of which King served as the first president. Women have been the backbone of the whole civil rights movement Coretta observed in The New Lady. In Montgomery, after Rosa Parks triggered the bus boycott, it was mostly women, maids, cooks, and such who found other means of getting to their jobs. Women have been the ones who made it possible for the movement to be a mass movement, Coretta said. Two of the issues that Coretta Scott King championed, world peace and economic justice, are often forgotten. She was present at the creation of the National Committee for a SANE Nuclear Policy in 1957 and represented Women's Strike for Peace at a Nuclear Disarmament Conference in Geneva in 1962. When her husband received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, she stressed to him the role he must play in pursuing world peace. She considered it to be her burden as well. She pushed him publicly to come out against U.S. involvement in Vietnam. He held back, fearing criticism, but she did not. In 1965, she addressed an anti-war rally at Madison Square Garden in New York. Later that year, she took her husband's place when he changed his mind about addressing a peace rally in Washington, D.C. Once, when asked if he had educated his wife on these issues, he said, She educated me. When Martin Luther King was assassinated in 1968, four days after her husband was murdered, Coretta flew to Memphis, where he had gone to support a sanitation worker's strike and led a march in his stead.
0: Good evening, Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. Police have issued an all-points bulletin for a well-dressed young white man seen running from the scene. Officers also reportedly chased and fired on a radio-equipped car containing two white men. Dr. King was standing on the balcony of a second-floor hotel room tonight when, according to a companion, a shot was fired from across the street. In the friend's words, the bullet exploded in his face.
1: Three weeks later, she delivered his planned speech at an anti-war protest in New York Central Park. She was insistent that the best memorial was continued activism. King's assassination opened up a more public role for her. Later that spring, she helped lead the Poor People's Campaign, which he had conceived in the hopes of forcing the government and the nation to confront the realities of American poverty. From the balcony of Memphis' Lorraine Motel, where her husband had been shot, she rallied support for the Southern Caravan of washington bound protesters and declared a dream of our own we're not some but all of god's children have food we're not some but all of god's children have decent housing we're not some but all of god's children have a guaranteed annual income in keeping with the principles of liberty and grace She addressed some 50,000 people in June at the Lincoln Memorial, connecting racism, poverty and the Vietnam War in an inspirational speech. After the Poor People's Campaign ended, her activism continued. She spoke at rallies, lobbied Congress to reject cuts in welfare spending. Coretta devoted enormous energy and commitment to building the Martin Luther King Jr Center commonly known as the King Center, based in Atlanta, Georgia, and in ways that years later would be repeated by Winnie Mandela, worked tirelessly to keep the memory of her husband alive, which famously culminated with the creation of Martin Luther King Day, which legally came into effect November 2nd, 1983. In the 1980s, she also joined the campaign against apartheid in South Africa, getting arrested outside the embassy in Washington. In the late 1990s, she became an advocate for gay rights and same-sex marriage, which drew condemnation from some civil rights leaders. But she connected the expansion of gay rights to the struggle for racial injustice, quoting her late husband, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. During her lifetime, Coretta led discussions with heads of states, prime ministers and presidents she participated in protests alongside working class people from all races and different walks of life she met with many great spiritual leaders including pope john paul the dalai lama dorothy day and bishop desmond tutu she stood with nelson mandela in johannesburg when he became south africa's first democratically elected president she was a woman of wisdom grace compassion and vision Coretta scott king tried to make ours a better world, and in the process, made history. On February 7th, 2006, Coretta died in Mexico from complications due to ovarian cancer. Many individuals and organizations paid tribute to Coretta following her death, including U.S. President George W. Bush, the National Gay and National Black Justice Coalition, and her alma mater, Antioch College. She is buried alongside her husband in Atlanta, Georgia. If you've made it to the end of this recording, I just want to say thank you. Um, It has been my privilege and my pleasure to make this recording. And I make every one of these recordings and every one of my posts just in the hopes that somewhere out there, someone is going to hear this and gain some extra information, perhaps be inspired, and possibly share this knowledge with someone else. As a people, we have done, and will continue to do remarkable things. But our children will never hear about those things unless we tell them, unless we keep our heroes alive, unless we tell the stories of our courage, of our ingenuity, of our wins not just a struggle and that's really what motivates this podcast so i'm dedicating this particular episode to my son i hope you hear it one day i hope you enjoy it and i hope you know that daddy loves you please like share comment um subscribe head over to patreon If you can't find me on Patreon, look for me on YouTube. If you don't like YouTube, find me on Twitter. If you don't like Twitter, find me on Instagram. If you can't find me on Instagram and you don't like Instagram because there's too many pictures, then head over to Spotify because you'll find the audio recording there on Spotify. And if you don't like Spotify or any of those other things, well, you know what? Tough, man. Like, please. If you don't know, get to know. Peace. Later.